0: And for another episode of the Chaldean Priest Show, as always, I'm your host, Father Daniel, here to talk about the Chaldean liturgy and how it can be applied to our daily lives. All right, why don't we get started? I'm not sure how everyone else's weekend was, but... You can say mine was pretty busy. We started up our catechism and First Communion programs. Um, it was a first day, and if anyone has ever taught First Communion or been a part of the administration team of First Communion or catechism, you know that things can get pretty hectic on the first day, but I actually should have made a shirt saying, I survived the first day of First Communion. You know what? Maybe I will make that shirt. Who knows? If I do, you'll find out somehow. In other words, there is some great news for the Assyrian Church of the East after their patriarch, Margi the III, uh, resigned due to uh, older age and some health issues. The synod, the synod of the Assyrian Church of the East, elected now Patriarch Mar'awa Royal, uh, to be the Catholicos Patriarch for the Assyrian Church of the East. I know Awa. He's an excellent man, a man of great dignity and holiness, and an academic. Please remember to keep Patriarch Awa in your prayers. He's the 122nd Patriarch of the Assyrian Church of the East. Uh, pray for him. Pray for the Church. And uh, God willing, he... Continues to do great work for the Assyrian Church of the East. Okay, for our topic for today, I'm going to start by reading you guys a section from the Chaldean liturgy. So this is in the, okay, this is going to be a long title, okay? The Thursday Evening Martyr Prayers, okay? And it says this Holy Martyrs, Hail. O friends of Christ, who won victory and who gained the glorious crown, shaming Satan in the fight, blessed are you on that day when the light of Christ will dawn and you share the banquet with him. I want to concentrate on the holy martyrs being referred to as friends of Christ. Okay, before we can know what and how to become friends of Christ, we first need to know what a friend is, right? So, we need to define our terms. What's a friend? I want you to pause it here and think about how you describe a friend. What would a friend be? Okay, now that you've unpaused, and I'm pretty sure no one actually paused it, but I'll give you the benefit of the doubt. Okay, I want to turn towards our good friend Aristotle. In book eight of his Nicomachean Ethics, he talks about three forms of friendship. So he says this, Similar to is the case of those who love on account of pleasure, number one, for people are fond of those who are witty, not because they are of a certain sort, but because they are pleasant to them. Therefore, those who love on account of utility, that's number two, feel affection for the sake of their own good, just as those who love on account of pleasure feel affection for the sake of their own pleasure. Okay, and then he goes on to say this, but complete friendship is the friendship of those who are good and alike in point of virtue. Okay, so these three forms of friendship, two are wrong to have. One is the goal of friendship, which is the last form of friendship, which is the friendship of virtue. Now, as we go on to talk about these two other forms of friendships it's good to think about our own friendships in the backdrop of it okay so when he talks about the friendship of pleasure okay so this could mean many things okay having a friendship only based on pleasure is this form of friendship so i think one way to interpret this And Aristotle does expound on this later on in his book, but a friendship of pleasure could be having a friend just because they're fun, they're fun to have. I only hang out with this person because I like having a good time. And I know if I call this person to hang out or I call this person to talk on the phone, I know it's always going to be a good time. And that's the only reason why I'm friends with this person because they'll never let me down In having fun. Or another form of a friendship of pleasure is only having a friend to have someone else with me to indulge in immoral actions. Whether it's partying, getting drunk, sexual immorality, whatever it may be. If you have a friend that you have befriended only for this purpose, then you, my friend, have a friendship of pleasure. Next, the friendship of utility. This means that, and it sort of speaks for itself, that you have a friendship and you've befriended someone only to use them. Maybe people in their adolescent years Only made friends with certain people because they were the smartest kids in the class and they knew they would always provide the right answers for certain tests and quizzes and homework and what have you. I know I've seen that and experienced that in my time of middle school and high school. I'm sure we all have. We've all seen that. And this can also be compared to, for example, let's say, You're relaxing at home and whatever, you're watching TV or something or watching the Padres lose against the Dodgers and your phone starts ringing and you see a name that pops up on your phone that's utterly nostalgic. This person is a nostalgic person. And the reason why this person is nostalgic is because you haven't spoken to this person in years. And then you see their name pop up on your phone. What's the first thing you're going to think of? Now, I don't want to judge everyone who calls someone else out of the blue because maybe sometimes it's for a grave reason or whatever it may be. But most of the time, that person is calling you because they need something. So you end up answering very awkwardly, saying hello. There's a little small talk in the beginning. And then that person gets straight to the point. I need something. There's those kinds of friendships. There is also the friendships that become very bureaucratic, very political, where I am only friends with you because I know I'm going to need you in the future. And there's something you have that I'm sure I'll want at some point in my life. So let me strengthen this relationship I have with you, this quote-unquote friendship, and we'll see what happens in the future. That's a friendship of utility. That is not a true friendship. And we see this all the time in the political realm, where You see these politicians taking pictures with other politicians, having a photo op with owners of mom and pop shops, and I mean, you will see this all the time. If you don't believe me, go on YouTube, go on social media, look up a random politician, and you'll see something along those lines, okay? Whether they need votes in the future, they're up for re-election, I don't know, I don't know, but you'll end up seeing that. And maybe you've experienced that yourself, where that person does end up calling you later on and is asking for your allegiance and your fidelity in some project or something that they've been working on. And then, lastly, there is the friendship of virtue. And I want to go back to Aristotle and see what he says about this friendship that should be desired by all. He says this, For such people wish in similar fashion for the good things for each other, insofar as they are good, and they are good in themselves. But those who wish for the good things for their friends, for their friends' sake, are friends most of all, since they are disposed in this way in themselves and not incidentally. So beautiful. You are friends with someone for the sake of being friends with someone and for the good of the other person. A friendship that is built on virtue, where when I see you do wrong, I tell you so that you can be a better person because I want greatness from you and I desire greatness from you. And if I don't see greatness and I don't if I don't see virtue, I'm gonna tell you not to put you down, not to criticize you, to make you sad, but to give you constructive criticism because I love you and you're a friend of virtue to me. Just like I said this in my last podcast, we are, or two podcasts ago, it's been a long weekend. Um Just as friends should be friends with each other for the sake of friendship is the same way as we glorify God and we worship God, not because He's in need of it, but because He deserves it and it's the right thing to do. Worshiping God for the sake of worshiping God and not for any other reason. And you could see these two be parallel with each other. You can see how friendship of virtue that Aristotle talks about and the glorification of God can be looked at in a similar way. And we're now tiptoeing a little closer towards this martyr hymn that I read for everyone in the beginning. To be friends of Christ, these martyrs who were witnesses of the faith, who died at the sword, are true friends of Christ. But we're not there yet. Now we have another element of this, and that is dating. Okay. This has become such an ordeal for so many people. Anywhere from middle schoolers to high schoolers to young adults to adults. What is dating? What is a proper form of dating? What does it mean to date? What is the idea of dating someone else? And the reason why I'm mentioning this is because this reflection of friendship sheds a lot of light on dating and why some people are confused about this aspect. Because now you have different ideas of dating, right? So some parents... Will tell their kids you will not date until you're married. But then you have other parents allowing their kids to have these cute little dating relationships when they're let's say in middle school. So you have two extremes. Who's right and who's wrong, or are both wrong, or are both right. What's going on with dating? And unfortunately, some people have been hurt so much from dating others that They tell themselves, I never want to date again because any person I date will do this to me and I'm wounded and I'm scarred and I'm never going down that route again. Or some people just can't find a date. And because they can't, they reach the conclusion of I'm never getting married. I can't find a date. Okay, let's start with what dating isn't. So dating isn't An excuse to be affectionate with someone else that's number one dating also isn't a way of escape to escape certain problems certain situations that you have in your life dating also isn't or shouldn't be a way to gain popularity just because i mean we hear this all the time right Just because everyone's doing it doesn't mean you have to as well. So this is what dating isn't. Now, what's dating? And when should people start dating? And what dating should consist of? So first and foremost, I'm not a doctor, but I have read statistics that the human mind continues to form and... To develop until around the age of 30. And if that's the case, so the church says that the age of reason of a person is seven years old. So if someone starts to be at the age of reason at seven years old and continues to grow and to develop in their mind and their behavior and their discipline there comes a point where we start to think we're grown up all of a sudden. We are the ones that dictate when we're grown up and when we should have certain responsibilities and when we can indulge into certain grown-up things. I don't think it's right or prudent, for that matter, for someone to be dating in high school. I know there's... This idea of having a high school lover and marrying your high school lover. And look, I've met people that have dated in high school that ended up getting married. I'm not going to disqualify that. But from what I've seen and from my experience, high school dating only becomes a form of the do not, why you shouldn't date list that I just mentioned uh, a little while ago. Either it becomes a way to show your affection to someone, or you want to gain popularity at school where you're dating a certain person, um, or what have you. And this isn't fruitful, because what ends up happening is you start falling into sin, really. You start to open the door for many other sins that you probably wouldn't have fallen into if you weren't dating this person. When you're dating someone, the end goal should be marriage. And I know some people might call me extreme for saying this, but that's what it is. There's one thing to get to know to someone and to be friends and have a virtuous friendship with someone, but it's another thing to stamp the title of dating, boyfriend and girlfriend, between you and a person, and that leading you into sin. I think the most prudent way to approach dating is when you're not a teenager anymore, you're an adult, and you have a sense of reality and responsibility, and have a good head on your shoulders, and have good values, and understand that the end goal of dating should be marriage, that's when it should be introduced. Or else, you're just going to be distracted by this relationship that you're in. You're going to allow a lot of things to pass by you. You're going to neglect a lot of things that you should be prioritizing. And at the end, you'll end up getting hurt because you start to build a emotional attachment to this person. And what happens when you do that? You're going to be sad when that person's not there anymore. And it's almost as if, look, you don't want to set yourself up for failure, you know? If you know, and it's almost inevitable that you're going to be sad at the end of this certain relationship, then it's better to be prudent about it, to be more conservative, and to be wise as to who to give your heart to. Now, when some people struggle with actually finding someone to date when they are an adult and they're ready to get married and they're they're sort of having a hard time with finding someone um, to like them or them liking someone else. My advice to that person would be to pray for your future spouse. I think that's the best way to go about it because what you're doing is you're involving God in this search of your future spouse And God will point you to the right way. You want God to choose your future spouse, right? You want to be involved in His will for you. And the best way to do that is pray for your future spouse. Be involved in the church. Go to the Bible studies. Uh, Involve yourself in different activities. Because you become more involved in the church, and being more involved means you're exposed to more people. And that could be a good way to be introduced to other people that share some common interests with you, like the church. So that's Father Daniel's Dating Advice 101. And I'll just end it there. Now for the Lion's Den. Okay, my Lion's Den segment is going to be very short and sweet. This is my opinion. Prayer is not a bedtime story. I know a lot of people pray before going to sleep. It's beautiful. Keep doing that. It's great. I'm not saying don't pray at night, but don't turn it into a bedtime story because prayer deserves more of our attention, more of our very existence. Prayer is conversation with God, right? So you don't want that to be turned into something much less than that. So... Maybe find a better time to pray. Maybe pray, I don't know, half an hour before going to sleep. But anything that could help with not turning prayer into a bedtime story. So that's my episode for today. I hope you all enjoyed it. If you have any questions, you know where to find me. But until then, see you next time.